Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. today to the book of Revelation. You know, the book of Revelation sometimes is misrepresented. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not meant to be the revelation of just end time events, though it includes those things. But it is, and if you read your very opening title page of the book, it says it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what it's to be, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. You don't go there to just study about the Antichrist and all the other things that sometimes, and I've known people to shy away from the book of Revelation because they feared things that they may come to understand or maybe revealed to them by reading it. Well, that's a shame because the Bible does instruct us to read and to study this book and to seek to understand it, praise God. And I know there's certain things that we probably never understand on this side of eternity, but nevertheless, there is some great things that we can lift from the Scripture in the book of Revelation. And I want to read in chapter number 10. I remember the story of the preacher and the bus driver that passed away along about the same time. And when they got to heaven, the preacher was dismayed to find that he had a little bungalow over in the corner of glory. And the bus driver had this very huge, extravagant mansion. So he had a bone to pick with that. He went to St. Peter and said, what's the deal here? I was a preacher of the gospel all of my life, and I've got a little garage apartment here in heaven, and this bus driver, of all things, has got a big, extravagant mansion. He said, well, it's like this. He said, when you preach, people slept. When the bus driver drove, people prayed. Praise God. So his reward's going to be greater. Well, I hope nobody sleeps this morning. Revelation chapter number 10, and I want to read beginning with verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud. And a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. 
And the angel which I saw stand upon the scene upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that are therein are and the sea and the things which are therein that there should be time no longer but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel when he shall begin to sound the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets and the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me saying and said go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth and I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I did, or had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Verse 10 says, And I took the little book out of the angel's hands and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. I want to use this as a subject title here this morning, and I don't pretend to know all of the implications of this particular passage, but I want uh, to just preach perhaps from one angle of it. And I want to preach the bittersweet message of the Lord's return. The bittersweet message of the Lord's return. It'd be all right with me, ushers, if you turn uh, at least these air conditioning units up here off because I want to keep my Bible on the pulpit this morning. Praise God. The bittersweet message of the Lord's return. Let's lift our hands and let's pray that God would touch us and anoint us and help us. Would you pray that the Lord would help you today? Let's make it a personal prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you to help me. I need you, God, to speak to me clearly through your word. I need the help that only you can provide this morning. Nothing else can provide the help like you can. Not wisdom of this world, not the strength of my own abilities, but God, I need the word of the Lord to sink deep into my heart to help me and strengthen me and give me direction. I thank you for it, O God. I give you praise for it. I honor you and I worship you. Let's thank the Lord for his word today. Let's thank the Lord for his word today. Thank you. Thank you so much for standing and you may be seated. The bittersweet message of the Lord's return. When you examine uh, this particular passage of scripture, you'll find that John the Revelator sees an angel. And it does not seem to be as other angels that are described in scripture. And uh, maybe I could say it this way, it doesn't seem to be an average visitation from an angel. Nothing seems to be average about the book of Revelation. Matter of fact, I 
preached one time about how things in the book of Genesis were called good by the Lord. He made the earth and the things that were therein, and each time he accomplished those things, he said it is good. But when you get to the book of Revelation, it seems like things has intensified, and you see instead of the word good, it is replaced with the word great. And over and over again, you see words like great and mighty. And the Bible describes this angel as being a mighty angel. And then it goes into some of the details about how this angel came to John the Revelator. And uh, so we can only assume that it was a very large angel in his vision. And he has one foot upon the earth, if you can imagine that, and one foot upon the sea. And he is swearing by him that liveth forever and ever and who created heaven. And uh, in other words, he is swearing or making these statements by the Lord. And this is something that does not happen very often in the Word of God. In fact, it only happens when there's absolute unequivocal truth uh, that is being portrayed or being revealed here. And that is precisely the point of this passage is that some things are being revealed here and uh, it is unequivocal, it is absolute, and as hard to believe as it might seem and as difficult as it might be to get our minds around it, he is saying this is by God and he is swearing by him that liveth forever and ever and created the heavens. And this seventh angel is declaring the end of time. In other words, the end of time as we know it, there will be no more combination of day and night. Time will be no more. And he has in his hands a little book. Of course, when you consider the size of this angel, I suppose any book would look small in his hands. And I, I don't know exactly what it is that this book contains or the information that was in this particular book, but I could uh, go as far to say that it must be something that is very important. It could have contained the seals of God that would be loosed. It could have been the combined mysteries of all that was going to happen in the end time. I, I don't know. It could have contained uh, information uh, concerning the rapture and how it was going to take place. Nevertheless, it was a book that dealt with the finishing of all things. That, that's as much as we know. John the Revelator is caught up in the Spirit and he is able to experience things as they will be in the end time or the last day. Now we talk about that uh, being that we're living in the last days and I believe that we are living in the last days. But the Bible talks about a last day. And we know that that last day is, is what uh, we're, we're calling when Jesus comes back and catches His church out of this world. And I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that moment. But John in this passage hears a voice from heaven that instructs him to go and take the little book that is in the hand of the angel. And so that's what he does. It actually goes through this and says 
that he goes to take the book from the angel, and the angel tells him, take it and eat it up, and it will be in thy mouth sweet as honey, but it will make your belly bitter. And that's very interesting to me. In your mouth, it will be sweet. Everybody say sweet. It will be sweet as honey. Many times we see this in the Scripture where the Lord is giving us a a figurative illustration of something, giving us a comparison or describing something in the Scripture. And the writer, being moved on by the Holy Ghost, will use the terminology of honey or the honeycomb as being sweet. And it says that it was as sweet as honey. And there's a lot of things that I could say this morning about the coming of the Lord. And the first uh, thing that I want to speak about is from the perspective of sweetness. And there is a sweetness about the return of the Lord. Oh, there's a lot of things that I could preach about today that's going to make that day special, that's going to make that day sweet, if you want to say it that way. And there's a lot of things about serving God as a whole that are sweet. I, I don't know of anything that is any sweeter than living for God, that is any better than serving the Lord. The psalmist challenged us. It said, he said in Psalms 34, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. Taste and see. He's issuing a challenge here. And he puts an emphasis on it. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's good serving the Lord. If you have not experienced the presence of God, if you've not experienced the Holy Ghost, if you've not known what it is to be forgiven of sin, if you are one of those that have never been in an apostolic church and never felt the power of God, can I tell you, taste and see. Before you criticize, taste and see. Before you write it off, taste and see. Before you turn this preacher off this morning, taste and see. Before you say that uh, I don't know if it's for me, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. And I think that's really an understatement to say that He's just good. Amen. I, I could not give you enough adjectives this morning. I could, not, I could not tell you with enough description today just how wonderful our God is. I could use the word great, but some way that seems inadequate. I could use the word awesome, but in some ways that seems inadequate. I could use the word excellent, but in some ways that seems inadequate. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, it's a sweet life living for the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's, a, uh, it, it's something that never grows old. You know, there's a lot of things that over time they get rancid. They get old. They diminish. Uh, their taste does not remain in them. But uh, that's not the way it is serving God. The old timers will tell you it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Every day living for the Lord, it just gets better. 
it gets more wonderful. Amen. It, it gets greater. There's more that is revealed to us, or that's the way that it should be. If you're really serving God the way you should, that means that every day there ought to be a new discovery. Amen. You should never in your relationship with God use the, uh, lose that attitude of exploration and, and, and desiring more and hungering for more and wanting more in God because there is things that sometimes we are satisfied to live without that God really wants to give us, that God really wants to reveal to us. There's so much more to God than the majority of us have experienced. I'm not saying that there's a whole lot more as far as truth is concerned that needs to be revealed for us to be saved. But I'm talking about your own personal experience in God. God does not limit out at a certain point and say that's all that I can give you, that's all that I can reveal to you, and that's as far as you can go in me and as much as you can grow in me. But until Jesus comes, uh, we can grow up, amen, in Christ. Uh, until he comes, uh, amen, we're seeking to come into the full measure of Christ, Paul said. We're seeking to become more like him. And I don't think that any of us have arrived. I don't think any of us have achieved that. I don't think any of us have graduated just yet. But we're all striving. We're all reaching. There's greater things that he wants to do through us. There's greater revival. There's greater experience for you personally. There's greater places in God's glory. The Bible describes it as glory to glory and faith to faith. It never ends. You're always reaching. Aren't you thankful for a God that is fathomless? Aren't you thankful for a God that is endless? Aren't you thankful for a God that has no place that he says, that's all I got? doesn't say, that's all my power, that's all my glory, that's all I have. No, there's more. If you experienced his greatness this morning, there'll be greater things tonight. There'll be greater things Wednesday night. And you know me, I just have to throw this in. That's why I wouldn't miss one apostolic church service. If I could be here, if I had to crawl in here, I would be here because that may be the opportunity for me to go up a little higher in God. That may be the opportunity for me to receive a little more from the Lord. Amen. That may be the opportunity that God would give to me for me to climb up a little bit higher and reach another dimension in God. Praise the Lord. You're saying, how do you know that he's fathomless? Well, greater Christians than you and I have seemed to express this. Paul said at the end of his journey, I'm still pressing towards the mark of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And he talked and he said things like this, not as though I've already obtained. I've already reached everything that I'm wanting to. But I'm still pressing. I'm still coming to church with bated breath and expectation. I'm still coming to the house of God believing that this could be the service, this could be the moment, this could be the time. Oh, you ought to come to this house with expectation every time you come. You ought to come with dancing in your feet knowing that this could be the service that God heals. This could be the service that God reveals something to me. This could be the service that God answers. Oh, clap your hands to him this morning. Give him praise.
Another passage reads, He satisfies my mouth with good things. Yet another says, It is sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. I'm talking about sweet things in God, such as love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Aren't you thankful for the long-sufferingness of God? Gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance, sweet things such as healing, salvation, deliverance, sweet things such as the wisdom of God and understanding. Praise God. These are some of the sweet things that could be said of God and nothing, nothing that I could talk about this morning is sweeter than His return, the day that He calls His church home. There's literally nothing that I could preach about today that is sweeter than that. I remember a sermon that R.E. Johnson, who was an incredible preacher, uh, walked on a cane and uh, just an incredible inspirational preacher and he had a sermon that he preached or it was really a two-part sermon and, and, and the first was this all, of this all of this and heaven too was the title of the sermon all of this and heaven too what was he saying? all that you get serving God all the things that come to you living for the Lord that you don't deserve. Come on, does anybody just feel like you deserve? No, I don't feel. I feel like that God is, is, is you know, God is good to me and better to me than what I ever could have imagined. Amen. I certainly didn't expect this. I certainly did not deserve this. Amen. If we got what we deserve, there, there wouldn't be there wouldn't be enough room for all the rocks that would be piled up here in this building if we got what we deserve. But we don't get what we deserve. We get grace, and we get the mercy of God. He said all of this in heaven too. All the promises of God that have been fulfilled in our life. All the benefits that the psalmist said he daily loaded us with. All of his benefits. Come on. It's like you get the paycheck, but you get all of these fringe benefits. You know, that's what, that's what makes some, some jobs uh, better than others is the fringe benefits. That's what makes some labor more worthwhile is the fringe benefits. When you think about, my goodness, you know, I get this much vacation time. I get this kind of health insurance. I get, I get, I get uh, uh, all of these other uh, amenities as far as my uh, retirement is concerned. I get this much in my 401k. Those days, sadly, are just about over, aren't they? But those are what we call benefits. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they don't want just a job, but they want a job with benefits. Amen. They want a little extra. Well, daily, he loadeth us with benefits. It would have been enough if at the end of the day we get our reward. It would have been enough at the end of the day we get heaven. But all of this and heaven too, I'm going to tell you something. It would be so wonderful just to be able to live for God and serve the Lord and be free from the burden of sin. 
free from the scars that sin inflicts upon you. Free from the bondage of being addicted to things and bound by things and the sleepless nights and the worries, the dreads and the fears that come along with all of that. But we're free from all of that. We got the best end of the deal. Amen. We get this life and heaven too. We get this joy and heaven too. Somebody better kick those airs back on. They're going to sleep on me. Praise God. We can get it down here cold enough where you can't go to sleep. I promise you. All of this and heaven too. Oh, yeah. Not only the promises, but the gifts that he gives. The Holy Ghost. Man, I could spend the rest of my time talking about that. The church. That's a gift. Somebody say, that's a gift. Oh, yeah, that's why you need, not to, you, you need not to go along with those that don't have positive things to say about the church. There'll always be complainers in the church. There'll always be hypocrites in the church. There'll always be those picking at something wrong with the church. But picking at something wrong at the church is like taking, it, it, it's like taking a, uh, something and drilling holes in a ship that's in the sea. It, it's like taking a battering ram to a boat while you're in the midst of a stormy sea. It just doesn't make much sense. Because if you're going to be saved, it's going to be because of this church that we call the old ship of Zion. If you're going to make it, it's going to be because of the church. If you're going to be saved, it's going to be because you was born into the church. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to thank God for the church. Somebody ought to thank God for the body of Christ. Gifts. Gifts such as his ministry that he gives to us. The fivefold ministry. Amen. All of this, all of this. Experiences and encounters with God that we have but to ponder what it's going to be like on that great day of the Lord you know that all mysteries and it's said here in this text will be revealed all questions all uncertainties all concerns are going to be wiped away and the scripture says we will know and that's a that's a very deep passage of scripture that sometimes we Gloss over, we will know even as we are known. Complete and full understanding will come. The Bible says that there is peace that passeth understanding. You know, understanding in itself brings peace in certain circumstances, wouldn't you say? Oh, let me break it down for you. Let me get it on down here where, where, you, where you, you can grasp what I'm talking about. There's a certain peace that comes with understanding you know when the doctor says you got cancer and I don't know why they do this but I I've seen it time and time again we believe you got cancer we're going to come in and let you take some tests and find out to what degree or what stage that it's in and sometimes they'll wait 10 days that's not, very, that's not very peaceful during those 10 days. It's sometimes it's two, two weeks that they, 
they wait. It's not a very peaceful time. But when you walk in there and they say, you know, the test came back. And we think with just a little minor surgery here, a little minor treatment here. Amen. We've come to understand that with just a little bit of this, everything's going to be all right. It's, it's, not, it's not progressed to uh, later stages. It's not, it's not uh, gotten to a certain point. That gives you a peace. Would you have to admit that that understanding of knowing that it's not nearly as progressed and as far gone as maybe your mind and its worry and its fears had told you that it was? Don't you think that there's a peace that comes with that? That understanding? So there is a peace that comes with understanding. But, but the Lord is giving us an understanding that, that surpasses even that, that is beyond even that. Praise God. A complete and full understanding is going to come to us. We will know certain things. We will understand certain things. Amen. There's, there's things about our life and living for God that maybe were question marks to us. You'll understand the trial. You'll understand the test. You'll understand the struggle. You'll understand the, the reason for the, wrong, the long waits. You'll understand the whys and the how comes and the pressures and even the pain. Come on, are you still with me this morning that you had to endure? All the blanks will be filled. There'll be no more mysteries. All questions will be answered. No more darkness, the Scripture says. You know, light reveals things that couldn't before be seen. They were there, but they could not be seen. The Bible tells us that on this side of eternity, we look through a glass darkly, but then face to face. There's things that's going to be revealed the light is going to come on. Darkness is going to be no more. Those shadowy things in your life and situations of your life that you don't understand suddenly will clear up and be revealed to you. And don't forget the sweetness of His coming. In the busyness of our lives, in the fullness of our schedules, and all the things competing in jousting for our attention. Let's don't forget that we're living for the Lord. I know we say that, but do we really mean that? I'm living for the Lord. I'm living for His return. I'm living so that I can be with Jesus. You know, sadly, some of us, and we've probably all been there at one point in our life, young people, they pray, God, don't, don't come till I get the driver's license. The young lady prays, God, don't come till I get married. Then after she gets married, a few years down the road, Lord, come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> We've all had things that we wanted to do in life and things that we wanted to accomplish in life. I'm going to tell you, our greatest goal better be that we're going to serve God and we're going to live for God and that when that trumpet sounds and there's that shout 
of an archangel. And the dead in Christ rise first. And we which are alive and remain and are filled with the Holy Ghost and are living for God are going to be caught up to meet Him in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Everything that seems important now will soon pass away because the Bible says, the apostle Peter wrote it, he said, this earth shall melt with a fervent heat. There's nothing that that's not going to destroy. There's nothing, everything that seems so important to you and seems so formidable and seems so indestructible is suddenly going to melt with a fervent heat. But remember what the Bible said. It said heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. That's why we can be comforted this morning because he said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled, but you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Those are words that are never going to pass away. Those are words that are going to frame eternity. Those are words that are going to make eternity a reality. The same word that created this earth and everything that's within it has already framed eternity and everything that's going to be in eternity. So we rest. We have peace. We rely upon. We stand on the word of God. That's the only thing that is consistent. That's the only thing that's going to stand the test of time. That's the only thing that moth and dust and corrosion is not going to destroy is the word of God I'm thankful to know the word of God I'm thankful to have the word of God I'm thankful this morning to be comforted by the word of the Lord his word shall never pass away that's why in John chapter 6 when commitment level was being raised and he said here it's my flesh eat of it this is my blood drink of it commitment level was, oh, they was there for the miracles. They were there for the feeding of the 5,000. They were there when the lame walked. They were there when the blind saw. They were the ones that were shouting on the sidelines. But now the commitment level is being raised. Now I'm asking you to step up, consecrate. And the Bible said in John chapter 6 that from that time many of his disciples went back. Went back. And he turned around to the twelve and said, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter stood up. He was kind of the spokesman, you know. He stood up. He was always he, he wasn't always right all the time, but at least he was willing to say something. And he stood up and said, To whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Amen. You have the words of eternity. You have the words of eternal life. That's one thing that is stable. That's one thing that is consistent. That's one thing that's not going to change. That's one thing that's not going to pass away. Everything around here is going to pass away. But your word is going to stand the test of time. Amen. Just like his word made this earth a reality. He's going to make every part of eternity through his word a reality. That is why it is sweet when we consider the coming of the Lord. It's not a dread. It's not a fear. It's not a worry. It's not a, 
It's not something that we want to try to to avoid, a conversation that we don't want to have. The Bible said we ought to comfort one another with these words. That someday there's going to be a great getting up morning. Amen. Someday we're going to go home to be with Jesus. Someday no more pain. No more sorrow. Every tear wiped from your eye. No more death. No more of the pressures of this world. Come on, does anybody want to go to heaven? Does anybody see this as a sweet message in the word of God? I rest in his word. I find peace in his word. I've been obedient to his word. I've been obedient according to his word. I've repented according to his word. I've been baptized according to his word. I've received the Holy Ghost according to his word. I've lived amen, a life according to his word. I don't have anything to fear because heaven and earth shall pass away. But his word is going to never pass away. If you're living by the word of the Lord, if you're living for God, if you're serving God, amen, if you're, you're doing what the word of God says, you don't have to fear his coming. It's a sweet sound when you hear somebody talking about the coming of the Lord. You know that one of these days we're going to leave this old world. We're just sojourners. We're just pilgrims. We're just here for a space of time. We're not here to stay, but we're going to escape all the pain, the sorrow, the the worries, the dreads, the fears of this world, and we're going home to be with Jesus. Come on, does that sound like a sweet sound to anybody in this place? To saints of God, that makes us want to shout. To saints of God, that makes us want to rejoice. To saints of God, we're still excited about it. It may get to in this world, it may have to get so that we desire promotion like that. It may have to get that there is some tribulation of sorts. Now, I've always been a pre-trib believer. But I do believe there's a difference between tribulation and great tribulation. I don't believe we're going to be here for the great tribulation. If you defer, then amen, go on believe what you want to believe. It'll probably be like that for you. To some, we are in great tribulation (laughs) because their 401k went down a few thousand dollars. That's not great tribulation, folks. That's bad. Maybe tribulation, but it's not great tribulation. And there is some places in the world, I mean, for those folks that are being beheaded over there, You know, it's interesting, the Bible talks about that. And now, we're receiving stories, and some may know more about it than I do, but I've heard little inklings of people that are truth-preaching, apostolics that are being threatened by this. Somebody told me that ISIL, ISIL, whatever you want to call it, has little deposits here in America. You know, and I kind of remember that little boy that when that deal with Russia and the country of Georgia, was it, was going on, the Republic of Georgia, 
they were taking them over. A little boy from Alabama said, Mama, he said, them Russians may take Georgia over. He said, but they better not get any ideas crossing that state line. They get over in Alabama, they're going to meet me. I don't think that's exactly what. Anyway, I'm just telling you, it may have to get a little bit uncomfortable for us. We've lived in this comfort so long that we don't look forward to heaven. But I promise you, there's some corners of the globe that they're, they're praying just like the book of Revelation. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's going to be to that point that people are going to be praying. And I do believe that it could get to that point right here in the good old U.S. of A. I don't want it to. But I don't want to lose my desire to go home. I don't want to lose my appetite to be with Jesus. Amen? I don't want to get so bogged down, muddled down in this world that I'm so bound to it that this is the only thing that I can think about. That it takes my entire focus. And there's many ways that we can do that. We can get so bogged down in what we want to accomplish that we forget about eternity. We get so bogged down in just trying to survive because we heap so much pressure upon ourselves through debt and financial stress that we're just trying to make it instead of living for God. We want to live for God, not for ourselves. I want to make it because there's a soul that's going to live for eternity. And so I turn the page and I switch a little bit here. And I talk to you about the bitter part of the message of Christ returning. As sweet as it is, for there is going to be some. The reality is that they're going to be lost. There's going to be folks that are going to be lost. Do you understand what being lost really means? It's not something, when, when you talk about lost for eternity, we're not talking about something that can be recovered. We're talking about permanently lost. We're not talking about something that can be replaced. Amen? We're talking about permanently lost. Praise God. Going to hell. A lake of fire. Not something we preach about a lot anymore. But in Luke 16, it gives us an example of a rich man. And it says... That while he was there, I suppose the greatest torment was the fact that he could still remember opportunities that he had and that he did not take advantage of. And he said, I have tormented. Go, if you're not going to comfort me, go get my five brethren and tell them to avoid at all costs this place. A place where you're separated from the presence of God. A place where there's no prayers answered or heard. Lost. That's the bitter. That's the bitter portion. As sweet as it is for the saint of God that is prepared 
for the unprepared. It's a bitter moment. It's something to be dreaded. It is something to be concerned about. It is cause for us to search our hearts because it's the bitter side of the message of Christ's return. But he did not leave us without a remedy. He said, John, after you've seen this and experienced this, he said, I want you to do something. Prophesy again. Prophesy again. And if I could break it down into our day and our layman's terms, preach again. That's what I'm doing here this morning. Preach again. Amen. Preach to all nations. Preach to kings and peasants. Preach to every tongue. Preach to every person. Because that's the only remedy, is that they hear the gospel and be obedient to it. That is the remedy. Come on, talk about it. Preach about it. Witness it. Oh, and that's what I'm doing here this morning, is telling somebody that you don't have to be lost. You don't have to spend an eternity without God. You don't have to be separated from the Lord's presence forever. You don't have to live in torment throughout eternity. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to be lost this morning. That ought to excite somebody's heart to know that God is still giving opportunity for us to be saved. That God is still giving opportunity for us to find Him. We can still receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. There's still time for you to be baptized in Jesus' name. There's still opportunity for every person in this building to get their heart right with God and to go into eternity with a confidence that I'm going to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me right now? Let's lift up our hands and thank Him. Come on, would you thank Him this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. I can be saved. I can make it. I can live for God. Oh, that's a thrill. That's an excitement. That's, that's a hopeful message, isn't it? That's a sweet, sweet message this morning. That Christ, when he returns, I can be ready. I can be ready. You know, when we're obedient to the gospel, when we're baptized in Jesus, we repent of our sins, we're baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. We fulfill the death, burial, and resurrection, which is the gospel. It's important that we always remember that that's not the finish line. That's the starting point. i got to keep this alive in me. i got to be renewed in this. i, I got to have a rebirth of the new birth every once in a while. 
I got to get down and get the Holy Ghost all over again. I got to be refreshed in the Spirit of God once again from time to time. So you know what kind of altar call I'm going to give this morning because I realize that we're not talking to just a lot of sinners today as we term them or visitors, guests. But I know that the Lord laid this sermon upon my heart for a reason this morning. I feel like there's a purpose. And that is that we need to be reminded that this is hopeful. This is our hope. That's the way the Bible talks about it. It's not a dread. It's a hope. And the the only way that it can be a hope to us is for us to know and have confidence that we're prepared for His coming. And if you're uncertain in any way, you don't have to live in that uncertainty. You don't have to exist and get by and just scratch out another day in that uncertainty. But you can have that hope every day that you live. So I'm opening these altars today. I want people to come around this front and say, God, search my heart. I want you to come in close this morning and say, God... I'm opening up my heart to you to talk to you. If there be anything in me that is unlike you, I want you to search me and I want you to cleanse me and I want you to I want you to find every impurity, anything that would hinder me or might someday be a hindrance to me. The Bible said, lay aside every weight. It's not that it's charge against me at this point but you carry weight long enough you're going to weary you're going to grow tired it's going to become a problem so why not just lay it aside now why not just put it on the altar now whatever it may be I'm going to put it on the altar now